0: So I want to ask you a question, what does it mean to live a significant life? Time Magazine did uh, a story, it was a number of years ago, and they listed the 100 most significant figures in human history, and uh, by the way, on this list, it's not necessarily are all good people, okay, but they did a data-driven survey, basically, is what they did a data-driven ranking uh, like Google does to rank their web pages. So let me give you the top 10, and and think about who you might place in the top 10 of the most significant people who have ever lived. All right, just think about that for a minute. So number 10 was Thomas Jefferson, okay? Number 9 was Alexander the Great. Number 8 was Aristotle. Number 7 was Adolf Hitler, which is interesting, but it's not saying they're good. It's saying that they, were, they impacted the world. Number six is George Washington. Must be an American study, right? It, it certainly is because number five is Abraham Lincoln. So, <laughs> Number four was William Shakespeare. Number three was Muhammad. Number two was Napoleon. Guess who number one was? Jesus Christ, right? Yeah, he was. So I was thinking about that. If we were to say, what is it that makes a person significant? What does our pop culture say that, that, that deems a person significant? And I was thinking of a number of different areas that, that if you go to any drugs or, you know, any store and you go to the checkout There's all these magazines, and apparently what these magazines are telling us is this is who the really important or significant people are. You should pay attention to these people. And generally, it's a number of things. It's about how much they're worth, how much they're worth. So the richest person in the world, Jeff Bezos, uh, founder of Amazon. By the way, before that, it was uh, Bill Gates, and he was 20 I think 20 years in a row, he was the richest man in the world, the founder of Microsoft. Um, And so, Bezos just went through a divorce, so then he dropped to number two, but apparently now he's come back up to number one. And he had, his net worth is $110 billion. $110 billion, not million, billion. It's just staggering. Um, so, So maybe it's wealth, right? Or... Maybe it's athletic greatness. The greatest U.S. athlete voted by people is Michael Jordan. Interesting, right? Who's the fastest? Most of you know him. His last name is Bolt, Lightning Bolt, Usain Bolt, right? The strongest one, I don't think many of you would know him, Zerdronis Saviticus from Lithuania. Um, so is it the best athletic, the most athletic? Is it the, the, is it the richest? Or maybe it's the greatest actor or, or actress. And so through, um, through according to nominations and awards, uh, the number one actor is Jack Nicholson, which I thought was okay, whatever. Um, and then actress is Meryl Streep, Streep okay? Uh, so you have that. Uh, how about the most beautiful person? Because, you know, I mean, don't don't these magazines have... The most beautiful person in the world is, or American or whatever, um, of the 20th century, the most per- beautiful person of the 20th century is uh, woman, Angelina Jolie and Paul Newman. Okay? So there you go. Uh, you wondered why you didn't get it. So how about the smartest person of all time? Most people would say... Einstein, because we actually have jokes, right? We say, well, I'm no Einstein, right? We, we actually have a phrase where you use his name, you know, hey, Einstein, and they don't mean, hey, you're smart, they mean you're an idiot, because they call you Einstein, right? And most people today, the knowledge that most scientists have today would make Einstein look foolish. So that's kind of this, this ongoing thing, Right? Because they know so much more than Einstein, but Einstein, in his day, was Einstein, right? So what is it that? Uh, so what is it? Because this is, these are things that our culture says: if you're the smartest, if you're the richest, if you're the strongest, if you're the fastest, if you're the, if you have this, this credential to hook your life on, your life is significant. That's what our culture tells us. Many people try to live up to some sort of measurement along those lines. But in our passage this weekend, we're going to examine a moment where Jesus shows us how we can live and how we should live a significant life, and how we can make our lives count for eternity. We're going to find a strong motivation to do it, too. So if you would follow along, we're going to be in Mark chapter 9, and I'm just going to read the... Three verses starting at nine chapter nine, verse thirty, mark nine chapter thirty um and if you 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 want to turn there uh we ha- if you don't have a Bible, by the way, we have these chair bibles, and you're welcome to grab those, but mark chapter nine, verse thirty, let me read, they left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were where they were because he was teaching his disciples he said to them the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men they will kill him and after three days he will rise but they did not understand what he meant and they were afraid to ask him about it they went to Capernaum Uh, when he was in the house he asked them what were you arguing about on the road But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a child whom he placed among them. Taking the child into his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. So the question I ask in, and I was thinking about in this passage and I think it answers is, what does it mean to be first in the kingdom? What does it mean to be first in the kingdom? So the disciples are walking, they're arguing about positions in the kingdom. Jesus finds a child and gives them a life-changing and life-challenging object lesson. He brings this little child in and he says, this is something you ought to pay attention to. Now, we want to join the disciples this weekend, and so whether you're here at the Kennedy campus or the Rorschach campus or joining us online, this is something that we need to think through. He's going to teach us a principle that goes against every grain of our pop culture. Our pop culture says to live a significant life, you have to acquire wealth, you have to be beautiful, you have to be strong, you have to be athletic you have to be smart. And Jesus kind of says, let me give you another measurement, another way to measure a significant light. The principles of greatness in his kingdom are very different. The rules and the ruler are different for each kingdom. And Jesus is showing us that his kingdom operated in a radically different way. And that's what we really want to focus on. So it's interesting what Jesus does. He uses children to make a point. And the the key point I want you to see, and this is what Jesus is going to teach us this weekend, is in his kingdom, greatness is measured in serving, not in being served. And that's very different because we live in a culture today that says, I want to be served. I don't want to serve. You say, well, I don't really feel that's true of me. Yeah, the last time you went to McDonald's and you got poor service, how'd you feel about that? Can't they find better? I mean, I deserve better than, you know, they, you know <laughs> that whole service thing, right? But the question is, how does welcoming children relate, relate to being a servant? How do those two things go together? What, is, what does he mean by that? Uh, Is he making a, he says, whoever welcomes these little children, what what does that mean? It it seems because they're arguing on the road about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And so they were just going by their their culture. Their culture basically said to be great in the kingdom is to be close to the king to be sitting on his right or left, to be, in fact, doesn't a mother come and says, I have a request, and one of my sons will sit on your right and one on your left. And she says, you you don't know what you're asking. But that was the culture of that day. That's what a significant life, a great life meant, that you were close to the king. And so Jesus grabs a little child and says, no, I'm going to show you what my kingdom is, and it's very different than the kingdom of this world. Now, here's, here's, here's how welcoming a children relate to being a servant. There's, a, 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 I think I have four different points in your notes. The first one is a servant doesn't serve to be appreciated. A servant doesn't serve to be appreciated. So if you're a parent, you know that children lack the comprehension and the ability to be deeply grateful. What I mean by that is they often complain and they're seldom satisfied with what they already have. Um, Children tend to be selfish. They're, They're not developed emotionally. And when we serve somebody who is full of appreciation, we're not really serving them because we get thanks and praise for our service. And Jesus is saying is. A servant is somebody who serves with no thought of being appreciated for what they do. Now, that's very different because most of the time, that's one of the factors that we take in. We say, well, will I be appreciated? I'm going to go to a lot of effort here. Will they appreciate the effort? How many of you have gone and done something very nice for somebody? You've really sacrificed for them, and you've you've done it for them, and it's been kind of crickets. And you get offended. You get angry. You go, well, that's the last time I'll do that. So what are you really saying there? You're saying, well, I did this for them, but I did it because I thought that they would appreciate it. They didn't seem like they appreciated it at all. Children represent the ungrateful, the unappreciative people, that we're called to serve. Jesus calls us to serve people who are too immature to give us gratitude and encouragement. He calls us to serve without being noticed or thanked. You know, over the years we've had people who have left Hope Church and they've left because they're, they're upset that they haven't been acknowledged for either serving or for their giving say, well, I gave and no one acknowledged me. I served and no one acknowledged me. Now, we try to do that. We try to express our thanks to people who serve around here. We want to make this place a, a place where, where serving is a community event and, and, and it's enjoyable and, and, and you know that you're appreciated. But you know what? We've got to call a time out and say, but if that's why you're serving, then you're not understanding what a servant is in his kingdom. If you're serving and you're 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 upset that you didn't get you know an attaboy, uh, that's a problem. The question is, why are you serving? Are you serving to get an attaboy from us? We try to affirm people, but you know what? That's kind of not kind of shouldn't be why you serve. Let me just uh, throw a commercial in here for a moment. We have a next generation of children showing up here on Wednesday night and on the weekend who need dedicated teachers and helpers to teach them. And you know what? What we found is that we're not getting people who are willing to make a commitment to our children. I think and I just, sometimes I think we can tend to be critical of the younger generation, and we can say things like, well, they just don't get it, they're just not, they're just the values, and you may say, well, we have children coming on the weekends right now, and we're looking for teachers, we're looking for people who will step up and say, I will be a dependable person who will teach this class, and teach these children, and and impress these values in these children, and love these children, and be an influence, a positive influence, because there's so many negative influences, and so they're here, and we have an opportunity to to, to give them some Christian values, and some hope in the Jesus, and, and yet we have a hard time finding teachers, and I just want to say that if you are out there, and you have a, a a gift. If you have a, a burden, a, a heart for children, uh, we would love to hear from you. Here's the point I want you to see: what Jesus is saying is, in the end, you can complain about it. Um, you can complain about the younger generation. You can you can make excuses why you can't help, or you can step up. And you can become the answer. So Jesus says, the, the, the first sign of, of servant is if you go in, uh, you realize I'm not doing this to be appreciated. Jesus says children can't appreciate it. I mean, think about this. When was the last time your little child or even your older child came to you and said, Mom, Dad, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate all you've done in my life. I mean, you you'd you'd be taken by an ambulance to the hospital. You'd have a coronary. You you would say, I can't wait, say it again. Let me get my phone out and record it. (laughs) A miracle has happened. (laughs) I I'm laughing, but I'm laughing because it's kind of not happening, right? Most of us would say that's probably not happening. Here's the second point. A servant doesn't seek to be rewarded. Children don't walk around with a lot of money. They don't generally hold positions of power. Uh, they, it's, it's easy to be friendly to people who have money, who have position, who have power, who can further our career or help us out or give us a hand or whatever. It's easy to help them. I mean, everybody wants to be you know, have a friend who has you know, wealth or power or, or capacity to open doors for us. Um, we love serving people who, who have loads to offer us because we're thinking here that somebody who, uh, serving somebody who has power to bless us well if you're doing that then you're really serving because you're looking for a return for their service you, you, you know for a servant what Jesus is saying is there's no uh, quid pro quo, there's there's none you you, you don't serve in the, in the idea that I'll do you a solid, and you'll do me a solid. You'll owe me. There's various reasons to serve. We can serve to get something. We can serve because we are servants. Or we can serve because, and this is the powerful one, we'll talk about this in a minute, because our master first served us. And that's the motivator. That's the thing that flips the coin for us. So, So Jesus says, a servant doesn't seek to be rewarded. Children have no capacity to reward, they have nothing. Number three, a servant doesn't pick and choose whom they will serve. Now, in the ancient world, children lacked any status. In some parts of the pagan world, they were sold by their parents as property. Sometimes infants were killed uh, not, just because they weren't of the right gender, Jesus is showing us that we're called to respect the poor, the marginalized, those who have little status, those who are culturally and socially different from us. We must never come to a place that someone is beyond our dignity to serve. Servants cross ethnic lines, economic lines, political lines, friendship lines. We're called to serve people who are different from us, who may be our enemies. Isn't that what Jesus did? (laughs) I mean, think about it. He's on the cross, and remember one of the last things he says. He he says, and and they're taunting him, and he's hanging, and he's dying for us on the cross, and he says, Father, get them. Punish them. Strike them down. Or as the old King James would say, smite them. Kill them. No, he doesn't say that. What does he say? Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. What's he doing on the cross? He's serving us. His enemies. He's serving his enemies. Now, let me just stop for a minute. We live in a culture today that loves to divide over economic, cultural, skin color, politics. Love to divide over politics, don't we? We're right, they're wrong. We say, well, I don't like them. I, I don't agree with their, and it's not that I just don't agree with their, with their politics. I don't like them. Jesus says, those are the ones you're supposed to serve. I'm sorry. I see stuff on Facebook and I'm going, I'm not sure. And and I'm reading things that are written by Christians and I'm going, wait a minute. I'm not sure that Jesus would be cool with that. The last time I heard, we were supposed to serve people we disagree with. People that were different than us. People that couldn't do us any... It's not the matter that you just serve the people that you like, that you love, that look like you, that they'd agree with you. Jesus say, no, you cross those lines. You just do it. That's what servants do. Servants, because here's the thing, you're not serving them, you're serving Him. That's the point. When you serve your enemy, you're serving Him, not them. That's what it really comes down to. We'll see that in a minute. Here's number four. A servant serves serves the one who served them. You see, and this is where we get to motivation. You say, so why? Why should I serve this person if they're not going to appreciate me, if they're not going to affirm me, if they have nothing to give me? What's the point of doing it? And our culture would say, well, don't. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your emotional energy. Don't do that. Our motivation, though, to serve comes from the one who served us. We're moved into service and motivated because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, did for us by becoming a servant and giving his life for us. And this is why, how Paul puts it in Philippians. And uh, the passage will be up on your screen. He says this, in your relationships with one another, notice he doesn't distinguish what that looks like, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So there's the standard. That's what I love about Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, go do something. He says, go do what I've already done. (laughs) That's what he does. He says, I'm the example. I've given my life. So now I want you to serve. Only as we look to the cross do we find the proper motivation to serve. When we see Jesus dying in our place, taking our sin, taking the wrath we deserve, suffering for us, it should break us, it should make us grateful. We are empowered to serve Him because He served us. That's what we're missing today. We have fallen into this trap that the world says only serve those who are like you. Only serve those who can help you or assist you or move your career forward or who will appreciate you. And Jesus says no, 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 no. Just serve. Because when you serve people who can't help you, people like children who have no capacity to help you, who maybe won't ever say thank you, You're serving me. Because that's essentially what Jesus says. When you serve others, you serve your Father in heaven. Look at at what Jesus says. It's, It's the last line. Maybe you saw it. And I misread that. I mean, a couple times as I was reading through it, I kept reading it and I'm going, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. What am I missing here? And it says this, whoever welcomes one of these little children, Jesus is saying this, it's in our passage, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And then he says, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. Now, I didn't expect that. What I expected was, and whoever does not welcome one of these little children does not welcome me. That's what I expected him to write, but that's not what he writes. What What does he say? He says, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. In other words, what Jesus is saying is very important. He says, when you welcome somebody in the name of Christ when you serve them for Christ's sake for Jesus sake you serve your father in heaven i mean that's i mean that's mind blowing you see what he's saying he's telling us that when we reach out and serve the needy the marginalized the poor the helpless the downtrodden the ungrateful the prickly the ones that we disagree with the ones who are immature and angry the ones who can't give us anything in return, he says, when we serve them, we serve him, our Father in heaven. That's our problem. Our problem is we're looking at the person we're serving, and we're saying, I'm not getting anything from it. And, and you know, I understand it. But we, we're looking at the wrong thing. We need to look to the cross and say, I'll serve because of Jesus. But Jesus even said, he says, you can look to the cross, and you can see me as your example of serving. But you also have to understand that when you serve this person, instead of looking at this person, understand when you serve them, you serve my Father in heaven. Jesus essentially says that. There's a parable. I'm going to read it, a portion of it to you, and we're going to get, come come to a close here. Um, it's the parable of the sheep and the goats. And uh, it's found in Matthew 25. And I'm going to start reading in verse 34. You can turn there if you'd like, or you could just listen. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we take, see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you uh, sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king replied, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters' children, Jesus' language. That's what he was saying in our passage. For one of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. There it is. There it is again. So our problem is this. Jesus says, you want to be great? It isn't through acquiring wealth. It isn't through looking good. Most of us have our genetic genes against us on that. Uh, Most of us aren't the fastest, strongest, uh, uh, best athlete genes. Again, there we go, you know. We, we, the world says you have that right and Jesus says if you want to have, live a significant life become a servant do you realize that God has put people in your sphere of influence that he's called you to serve not so that you can get something from them not so that you can get uh, quid pro quo not, not so that you could exchange favors In fact, it may be that you're going to be serving this prickly person, this person who politically disagrees with you, this person that doesn't look like you. They're from a very different culture, and their skin color is different. you're, You're going to serve them. You're going to serve them. Why? Because Jesus served you and laid the example by giving his life for you when you didn't deserve it, and and you could do nothing to save yourself. He rescued you when you you were dead. He made you alive. He He took the wrath. He took the punishment for you. But not only that, that when you serve this person, you are serving your Father in heaven. Now, the amazing thing of this passage is that the servant is surprised by this. It's not like he's going like saying, I'm going to do this because when I do this, it's going to serve my Father in heaven. He just did it. They just did it. Because see, that's one of this. things things about a follower, a follower of Jesus Christ. Followers of Jesus Christ aren't the ones that go around haughty and, and, and we have all the answers and the rest of the world's going to hell and we don't care. We have our theology right and everyone else is wrong. The, what the, Jesus would say the characteristic of a follower of Jesus Christ is they love one another and they serve. Boy, have we missed that message. We wonder why the world doesn't want to hear what we have to say. The good news is because we've not earned the right to be heard. If you want to be great, become a servant. Enough said? Let me tell you where we're going to go next weekend. Jesus calls us to consider our actions carefully because your life affects others. Your life affects other people. Whether you want to or not, you do, for good or for bad. And uh, your life has an effect on others, and Jesus is going to show us kind of how do we need to think about that because it's an important thing to consider We live in a culture that says, don't worry about how your life affects others. It's your happiness first, and everyone else somewhere down the line. Jesus says, your life affects others. You need to take it seriously. Let's pray. Father, help us to uh, take this message and uh, apply it to our lives. Help us to understand that you've placed us in a sphere of influence in our family, at school, at work, in our neighborhood, and you've called us to be servants. Thank you, Father, that Jesus is the example of the ultimate service, that he came and gave himself for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He gave his life on the cross. He willingly came to serve us. And thank you, Father, that when we serve the disenfranchised, the marginalized, the person on the other side of the aisle, the person who's prickly, Uh, and unlovable, and unable to give us any praise or thanks. Help us to remember that we're not doing it for that reason. We're doing it because we're so grateful for Jesus Christ. And we're doing it to express our love to you. Give us those opportunities to serve, Father. And then, in the midst of those opportunities, as you provide opportunities for us to share about the gospel, uh, let's tell them about Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your word and for its encouragement. Help us each to lead significant lives, not because of the size of our bank account or how beautiful we may be or how athletic we are, but because we have become servants and help us to be surprised by the father in heaven when he calls out those times where we served him as we've served others we pray this in jesus name amen